But I do know that adrenaline is a very powerful force for humans. It's mm -hmm. it's the old mom lifting the car off of her kid. Now that's my guest Fitz Cola talking about the power of adrenaline and how she used it to get through her race announcing weekends after battling a very powerful and debilitating chemotherapy breast cancer treatment for months on end. Well, I had to tell people I was going through cancer care because I was going to show up bald. And I announced all these races around the country. I do all these keynote presentations and I wasn't going to wear a wig. So I figured people were going to ask questions. So I had to say, hey guys, I have cancer. In episode 18 of the Walking for Health and Fitness podcast, I talk with Fitz Kohler. Now Fitz is a fitness expert, a race announcer, a keynote speaker, a breast cancer survivor, and the author of My Noisy Cancer Comeback. Now keep listening as Fitz talks about having perspective, her cancer fighting experience, and why it's important for all of us to prepare ourselves today, physically and emotionally, for a battle that will definitely come in the future, whether it's illness or accident. You know, the message to everyone is to prepare your body to do battle today because you never know when illness or injury will strike. And why it's important to stay fit during cancer treatment, the power of adrenaline and doing what you love. But I do know that adrenaline is a very powerful force for humans. It's, mm -hmm. it's the old mom lifting the car off of her kid. She has important advice for anyone just diagnosed with cancer. Pair the mental game with the physical game and, and you can buoy, buoy yourself and make yourself more likely to have success with your treatment plan. And we joke about Killer Hill and how it played a role in her recovery. So what is Killer Hill that you were so determined to go up? Now, this is a very special episode of the Walking for Health and Fitness podcast. Let's begin. Caution, the information contained in this podcast may cause you to feel better than you have ever felt in your entire life. Symptoms include a broader smile, happier disposition, brighter outlook on life, and a general feeling of bliss. Proceed with wild abandon. Hello, I'm Frank Rink, the author of the Amazon bestseller, Walking for Health and Fitness, the easiest way to get in shape and stay in shape. I discovered the healing power of walking after a severe back injury put me out of work for four months and literally left me on my back trying to relieve the pain and heal. Through my books, website, YouTube videos, walking programs, and now this podcast, it's my mission to help others achieve a healthy, balanced lifestyle one step at a time through walking. Join me each episode as I discuss the physical and emotional benefits of walking along with information about fitness, mindset, nutrition, wellness, and more. So join me each week as I encourage you to walk on. Okay, so we're on the Walking for Health and Fitness podcast with my guest, Fitz Kohler of fitness.com. And we're here to talk about a book, My Noisy Cancer Comeback. It's a fascinating read. That's why I was hoping to get her on the show. And uh, Fitz, let's talk about your book. Thanks so much for having me, Frank. You're welcome. Uh, so I'd like to get right into the book. Um, I had you on, uh, had you scheduled to come on as a guest. And I said, well, let me buy the book and I'll just skim through it. And just to have some questions, right, to know what, what you were about. I just dove into it and was engrossed by by it. Um, so tell you know, talk about well, how the book came about because uh, it's got 
how the book came about. Yeah, so uh, it's interesting. I, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2019, fe uh, February, seven weeks after a crystal clear mammogram. So uh, crazy. I rubbed my under boob while getting out of the shower, found a lump. And within about a week, I had all the tests and exams and a surgeon called and said, hey, I'm so sorry, you have breast cancer and it's already spread to your lymph nodes and it's running through you like wildfire. So we need to treat you immediately and aggressively. And boy, did they ever. I had 15 months of chemotherapy, which is a God awful amount of time to have chemo and radiation, 33 rounds and surgery. So I got, I got, I did the uh, treatment triathlon, we say, but. I made some really good decisions along the way. And as you read in the book, I really, while I was going through it, I didn't tell, I had to tell people I was going through cancer care because I was going to show up bald. And I announced all these races around the country. I do all these keynote presentations and I wasn't going to wear a wig. So I figured people were going to ask questions. So I had to say, hey guys, I have cancer. But my role in everybody else's life is a beacon of health and happiness. So for me to all of a sudden you know, switch gears and be the victim or the hardship or suffering girl. It just didn't feel right. So when people said, how are you doing? I said, I'm just fine. I just put on a happy face no matter what was going wrong. And uh, everything seemed to go wrong. Uh, but I would say about halfway through my treatment, I, I had started to think, you know what? Some of this stuff is just, excuse my language, batshit crazy. I felt like I was in the twilight zone and all these weird things were happening. And I kept thinking, well, nobody's talking about this. We all know people with cancer and we hear about baldness and sickness and fatigue, but we don't hear about the wild stuff. And I started thinking, you know what? People might get a kick out of this wild stuff. I just thought people would laugh at my weirdo experiences. And then I also thought, you know what? I, I've made some really good decisions that have benefited me and I would be derelict if I did not uh, share them with the world. So I, I wrote a book and, and thankfully it's done so very well amongst cancer patients and survivors and regular Joes and Janes. So that was the first of three. Now there's the health, your healthy cancer comeback and the healthy cancer comeback journal. And, you know, it's rewarding to be able to take my, uh, my nightmare and turn it into something positive. Yeah. That, and in reading it, yeah. A nightmare that I couldn't imagine going through. And what if, what, what, did you write it as you were going through it or was it like you got through it and like, oh, let me go back and, and like you said, talk and write about this and explain to people? I think I started writing it about halfway through. So it, let's say it was 15 months of treatment, maybe at about that eight month mark. And mm -hmm. they say that when you write a memoir, you should not write in order. You know, you should start somewhere at the in the, in the future and go back and so forth. But what I found is in cancer care, people really want to know. They say, okay, well, when, when was your mammogram and when were you diagnosed and when did this happen? And so I decided to go from the start um, through, and I, I didn't bore people with my history of growing up in Fort Lauderdale and what my grandmother did. I just started like, this is who I was when this debacle began. And all of the things I mentioned, the stories I tell, they're they're easy to remember because they're all looped around different other events. I know when the Big Sur Marathon happened. I know when I was announcing bald for the first time. And then uh, your life is very regimented when you're going through cancer. So it was easy to document to say, oh, on March 24th, I had surgery. And this is the weird, crazy events that happened then. So, yeah. And I wrote almost everything 
on an airplane. I'd say 80% of the book was written on airplane because that was that's kind of the only time I get to sit quietly with nothing else to do. But that's what that's what I found fascinating is that you would have treatment, let's say early in the week, a Monday or Tuesday. And then on Friday, you're flying out to an event because your events, you're a race announcer, yeah. is the whole weekend. And I'm like, how how is she going to do this? You're writing day by day. I'm, I'm, you know, you're in bed zonked out how, like, to get through that. Um, so did doing this, um, we'll, we'll get to the, well, one first question. Does it give you, did it give you perspective? You talked a lot about that in the book. It, did you have perspective in your life and did this cancer like kick in like, wow, this is what's really important in the whole scheme of things. Yeah, certainly. So I'm a I'm a joy addict. So I've always looked on the bright side. It's my nature. Uh, and I used to say, gee whiz, it's not cancer. So whenever anything happened, traffic jam, sprained ankle, you name it, I'd go, ah, it's not cancer. And then all of a sudden it was cancer. And I thought, oh boy, is this my, <laughs> is this my time to wallow and, and pity and misery and so forth. But I, that, that thing in the back of my head kicked in again. And I thought, well, at least I'm not a kid with cancer. And I, I am Susie Brightside. So, so, so yeah, perspective, it's only improved though, because now it's, it's even more so it's not cancer. I had two weeks ago, literally my washer, my dryer, my refrigerator and my radiator all died in one wow. week, one week, that's that's a very expensive week, but I just thought it's not cancer, you know? Yeah. So, oh, well. Big deal. Yeah. My appliances are all dying, but yeah, perspective. You don't need cancer to figure that out. I really want people who read the book or listen to me speak. I want them to take that message to heart now and, and lighten their load, man. The world, there's a lot of ugly stuff going on in the world right now. Your, your, your spill on the carpet ain't one of them, right? Hey, oh, exactly. For sure. Um, so let me ask you to talk about physical conditioning. You have fit, fitness.com. Yeah. You're all about fitness, right? right? Had you not been in such good physical condition, could you have gone through the chemo and also worked at the same time in what you did? Yeah, it's interesting to me because, I mean, my whole career is about living well and exercise and nutrition and sleep and so forth. And it was really brought to light for me because I, I did my best to train no matter what. Sometimes it was just stretching in the shower or leg lifts in bed. I was always doing whatever I could. And my real hardship through treatment was chemo made me violently ill mm. every day for a very long time. I, I was so sick and then I lost so much weight and that it was the stomach stuff that was a real burden for me. But after or when I went in for my sixth round of chemo, <laughs> which, you know, chemo round number one is scary because of the unknown. Meme chemo number six is terrifying because it's of the known, you know what you're going in for. Mm -hmm. So uh, my doctor, he goes, Fitz, you're doing so great. And I was at that point where I was just a catastrophe. My fingernails had ripped off. I had not one hair on my body. I was always so sick and everything was going wrong. And I said, Dr. Gordon, I'm doing well. He said, no, you're doing so great. I'm so proud of you. And I said, Dr. Gordon, why are you saying that? I'm not doing great. He said, listen, I'm not suggesting you haven't suffered. You have suffered tremendously. However, if you were not so healthy and fit coming into this nightmare, mm. you would have been hospitalized for a month, not just one night, 
you likely would have had a feeding tube with the issues you're having. And instead, you have traveled all around America having more adventure than most healthy people do in a decade. So I'm not saying you haven't suffered, but you've done incredible things and you really owe it to your health and fitness. And so, you know, the message to everyone is to prepare your body to do battle today because you never know when illness or injury will strike. And so for me, it was cancer for somebody else that might get hit by a bus, struck by lightning, who knows, right? But if you are healthy and fit going into any sort of crisis, you are far more likely to recover and rebound effectively and efficiently than if you were a sickly or unfit person going into your crisis. Yeah, absolutely agree. hundred percent with that. So, um, so going into this as an athlete, right? We always hear that no pain, no gain mantra, right? No pain, no gain. But through this, how important was rest and recovery? Very, very. It was an interesting balance. I was forced to rest because mm. I was just so sick, you know? So it's interesting uh, with, with your healthy cancer comeback, people go, oh, exercise during cancer, you're crazy. And I think, no, not crazy. If you are, you know, everyone's got that Aunt Sue and the Aunt Sue says, you got to stay in bed. You can't do anything. Just stay in bed. Don't go out. Don't see people just stay in bed. Well, if we just stay in bed, we lose strength. We lose stamina. We lose flexibility, mobility. We lose balance. We're more likely to fall. And if you combine cancer with a broken hip, you're really in for mm. hurting, right? So the exercise part really mattered. Um, I, I just went all chemo brain on me. What was your question? <laughs> the, the question, uh, the importance of uh, rest and recovery, not oh. only for cancer, but now as a fitness expert, right? Yes. Just p uh, someone healthy who's training. Yeah. How yeah, important yeah. is rest and recovery? It is so necessary. So those exercise components are, you just simply can't be fit without them. And, and when I say exercise, it's all four pillars of fitness. It's not just cardio. Mm -hmm. It's not just stretching. You got to do strength, cardio, flexibility, balance, all four. You need to be proficient in to even qualify as fit. But the other component of that is obviously nutrition and then quality sleep. Your body needs an opportunity to, uh, to, to repair, you know, if you've done strength training, you've actually torn tiny muscle fibers. So our body needs that opportunity to refresh and say, okay, you've put in the hard work, let me make good of it. And then we go on um, to the next thing. But yeah, yeah, I, I, if I wasn't working or getting treatment, I was wiped out, whacked out. And, and that's kind of, that was what I needed to be To That's what I needed to do. And rest is a good thing. Yeah, I'm absolutely. I'm and, sorry, I'm still a napper, so I want to I want to get to sleep by ten o'clock almost every night, mm -hmm. and then I wake up at six thirty seven, and then I'm happy to take a twenty minute power nap if I need it. I think I think sleep is so important, mm -hmm. and anybody who's not getting enough needs to reevaluate. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So here's what fascinated me during the book, um, and the cancer treatment was just reading it horrific, but then you'd get to these races and. You were the show. It's you, you talked about putting the show on for your athletes, as you you call them. You uh, would fly in on a Friday, Saturday, Friday night. There would be some kind of event in the town. So you, let me just explain to the audience: you are a race announcer. So can you just real quick, what is a race announcer? Yeah, so I man the start and finish lines of some of America's largest, most iconic running events. So uh, Los Angeles Marathon, Big Sur Marathon, Buffalo Marathon, Gasparilla, you name it. Often ten to thirty thousand people 
So I'm there at the start line on the microphone with great music, getting everybody engaged and form entertained. I whip them into a frenzy. I yell, go. And then when they cross the finish line, I'm there to welcome them, usually personally by name and make that experience feel fabulous as well too. But I often teach clinics during a race weekend. I, I host VIP parties. So they keep me pretty busy. So yeah, so that's what fascinated me. So you're like, you don't just have like, you go to a nine to five job, come home and can sleep and rest and right. recover. You had to be the show you are on. You're sick as can be. So how did you get through a long race day being the entertainer? I'll call you that. And and then I have, do how did you get through that? And I do have a follow up. A, a pure adrenaline, pure okay. passion. So my, how did I do it? It was pure will. Every single time I got an, on an airplane, <laughs> and my husband would drop me off at the airport and in front of TSA, and he would say, "How are you going to do this?" And I would always be bleary eyed. Imagine watching your gray, bald, bleary eyed wife who had just been atrociously sick at home now. You're sending her off on a plane and you'd say, how are you going to do this? And I would say, I, I just am. And uh, that was enough for me. I was determined. And then the great gift is even if I would spend nights on the hotel bathroom floor to stop the world from spinning, when my alarm went off at four or 5 a.m., whatever mm -hmm. it is, those appalling race morning hours, once I stepped on my stages, absolutely everything that was wrong with me subsided. And it was, it was just the the gift of being with these wonderful people and serving these incredible events and the adrenaline. It was, it was pure adrenaline. And as long as I had an athlete on the course, a marathon day, I'll get on the microphone at five. I won't get off till 2 PM. So it's a mm -hmm. nine, 10 hour day. Sure. It's I, as long as I had an athlete on the course, I was okay. Now, the second that final person crossed the finish line, you could actually hear me power down. I would hear inside my body <laughs> so that's that's what is my big overriding question so that adrenaline during these events right did anyone ever think to study it like did you ever think maybe something's going on with my body that i could do this you couldn't will yourself right after chemo you couldn't those few days after chemo you're zonked out in bed so you couldn't will yourself then but for this events you did it like I, I, there had have been some, I would love to have known your chemical makeup at that point in time. And I wonder, are there any studies that you know of that have ever done that? So that's a great question. I don't, I mean, I don't know anybody who's done similar things to what I did during cancer. I mean, obviously right. there's a lot of cancer patients doing incredible things, but my type of work, maybe not. Okay. Um, but I do know that adrenaline is a very powerful force for humans. It's mm -hmm. it's the old mom lifting the car off of her kid. Right, you know, right. Adrenaline will keep you from realizing your your legs been blown off at war because mm -hmm. it's it's just I don't know. It's it's a very powerful force within our body. So, you know, I I do a lot of um, keynotes for universities, and I'm constantly trying to steer students towards choosing that career. You know, if you choose something you're so passionate about, you know, what kind of work could you do that you would want to do even if both of your legs were broken or even if you had cancer, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the dream career. That's the dream situation where the things you do, you love so much, you're willing to do under any circumstances. And I'm very fortunate I figured that out. That's awesome. Now that leads me to how did you get into that, into race announcing? Because I never gave it a thought. Right. Um, I was a runner. I, I didn't do any real big races, never did a marathon. 
One of our local races is pretty big here in Bergen County, uh, the Ridgewood run. And I would hear someone who was really upbeat, positive, and I'm like, oh, she must be part of the running club that puts this on. Never gave it a thought that that's a profession. Yeah, so I would say most local races probably do have some guy or gal from the running club that is just hanging in there doing their best. Mm, yeah. Maybe a handful of us that earn a living traveling around doing it in a very big way. Um, I so so teaching fitness to the masses was uh, was my main focus. I haven't been in a gym setting in over 20 years. Everything I do is TV, radio, um, mass media, live presentations. So Disney used to hire me a lot to uh, either teach, uh, do presentations for their cast members, their employees, or come and connect with their consumers to try to help the consumers be a little healthier, et cetera. And so they have a endurance series called Run Disney, and they had virtually hired me to be their fitness expert. So I would show up at the expo on race weekend, and I would teach clinics, strength training for runners, pain prevention for runners, yada, yada. And their race announcers and an iconic voice in the industry, Rudy Novotny, and not only did he announce the start and finish lines, but he was at the expo and he would have to introduce the speakers. And he had he had heard me speak a whole bunch because he had introduced me a whole bunch and he was so complimentary. And eventually he said, you know, you connect so well with people. Everybody loves you. You have great energy. I need a I need an announcing partner for the. OC Marathon, Orange County in California in a few months. Are you interested? And I said, well, I've never done it before, but I see what you do. It looks like a lot of the, it looks like a lot of fun. I'd love to give it a try. So he connected me with the race director, Gary Kutcher, who we got on the phone for maybe 10 minutes. He went through fitness.com and he said, you know what? I'd love to have you join us this year. So those two men, man, they set me up for this incredible career on race morning, my very first race, I think we had 30,000 people that weekend. But after about an hour after my first time yelling go, Gary came over and said, would you come back next year? And I said, mm -hmm. absolutely. Oh, and then invitations started coming in and it's, it's, it's been incredible. I'm so fortunate. I love this. I love the industry. And, you know, within fitness, I have to work so hard to convince people exercise is a good idea. On race day, a race director says, here's 23,000 people who think exercise is a great idea. Can you take care of them? And I said, yeah. absolutely. Piece of cake, sure. Wow, that, that's awesome. Um, tell me about um, what the program you have, the morning mile. So we're talking about fitness and especially at a, at a young age. Of course, thank you. So the morning mile, I believe I launched that in 2010 or 11. And it's a B4 school walking running program that invites every child every day. And I have it in over 400 schools around the world. So majority are in America, but we have uh, quite a few outside of America. And it's, it's the only program that's focused on every child every day, plus their family, plus the faculty. So there's other running programs who say only girls or only boys, or it's really expensive to take part in. Morning Mile is free to the students, free for all the participants. It's funded by either a corporate sponsor or a generous individual. And uh, we play music. There is no coaching, no choreography, no instruction whatsoever. We just say, y'all come, and the kids can walk real slow, or they can run real fast, and we reward them for mileage. And I mean, we have many kids, even elementary school students who have run over six, 700 miles per school year. And so many success stories, not only about kids living healthier, there's certainly weight loss stories. My whole families have lost weight. 
Mm. Uh, but then there's so many parents who reach out and say, my kid has ADD or ADHD, and they've had real behavior issues. Now that they do the morning mile, they don't have those issues anymore. They can focus, they can learn. It sets them up for a successful day at school. So I, there's nothing I've done professionally that will ever be as important as this morning mile program. It's, yeah, that's fine. As a, as a teacher, I've, that's fantastic what you're doing. And you. uh, it, that physical exercise is so important for kids. And I, I see too many students not. I'm a, I'm a high school teacher and it's, wow, some of them are just so lazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was a cross country coach, track coach, athlete my whole life, and it just kills me. So uh, the morning miles in from preschool to high school and elementary school, it's a massive hit. And those kids, yeah. they really like the reward system and they just think mm -hmm. it's fun. Mm -hmm. you know, they don't need any convincing. They just want to go. But I find in the middle and high school years, those are kids where their bodies are changing. It's really a puberty makes everything really awkward. Most of them, they're not old enough to go to a gym. They can't drive to a gym. They wouldn't know what to do in a gym anyways. Right. Sports are now competitive. You have to earn your right on the team. You can't just join and play. Mm -hmm. You have to be really good. So there's all these kids that are left out. So I find with morning mile programs in middle and high school, that's the opportunity. Even if they, you know, they show up to school in their jeans and their boots or whatever, and they just walk and mm -hmm. talk and walking for 30 minutes in the morning, instead of just sitting in the hallway somewhere, it's life-changing for these kids. So I, I uh, thank you for dedicating your career to them. But yeah, we're on the same page. They need to move. It's it's good for their body. It's good for their mind. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And just prior to that, when, when you talked about how you got into um, the race announcing, uh, as I tell my students, jump into the deep end of something, you know, and you never know what's going to happen. And, yeah. uh, you know, your, your story of, of, you know, being asked to announce a pretty big race was is a perfect example of, of that, you know, so I commend you on that. That's awesome. Yeah. You got to take risks, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that risk, you know, I tell my students, you know, it's okay to fail because you don't learn anything if you don't fail. And, uh, so that's fantastic. So your website is fitness.com. You have other books involved. So I do have a question about your, uh, recovery. Yeah. Okay. So I'm from North Jersey. Um, across the street from my house is a mountain. I mean, not a big mountain, but it's a lot of hiking, climbing up and down hills. Florida to me is flat. Yes, it is. <laughs> flat as can be. So what is Killer Hill that you were uh, so determined to go up? Because I'm thinking, wait, I've read about high school teams running the overpasses to get some hill miles in in Florida. Yeah. I didn't know Florida had a hill. Well, there's <laughs> very- <a> Killer Hill. <laughs> There's very few, and I live on one of them. And I think a friend who's a traffic engineer, I think he said it's a 14% grade. So that's probably steep, right? Yeah. And so when I moved here, people used to joke, don't let go of your stroller, because I had a baby at the time. Don't let go of the stroller. We have had vehicles that weren't in a that didn't have the parking brake on roll down the hill. So it's a it's a hill. Yeah. It's only a block long. But <laughs> <laughs> I guess. It was, it was soon after I finished the mean chemo. So I had six months of this gnarly, horrific concoction, followed by nine months of something awful, yet much less awful. So it was somewhere in between, but I got bold and I, I was going for a walk outside. And some of my walks started off as walk to the mailbox and walk back. Mm -hmm. I, there's a, I'm at the top of the hill. That's where I live at the top of this hill. That's they nickname it killer hill. There's triathletes who come and train. They ride bikes up. I mean, lots of people use the hill I'm on for exercise. So 
I go around and I think, oh, I'm going to go down the hill on the street behind me and then I'm going to come up. And I got to the bottom of my hill and I couldn't get up. I was that weak. <laughs> I just couldn't get up the hill. And I was so frustrated. So I picked up the phone and I called my husband. I was like, hey, I need you to come get me. He goes, well, where are you? <laughs> I'm at the bottom of the hill. He's like, you're where? He said, I can't get up the hill, which was so pathetic. So he drove down and he picked me up. And then, you know, we made a deal of it. We would go out and get down. And then he started off, he would push me, he'd get behind and put his two hands on my back and he would give me enough push that I would partially self-propelling my way up there. And then eventually he went to one hand and then eventually he would just hold my hand and pull. It was, it was very funny, but I still, I'm three years out of treatment. Every time I walk up that hill, I'm so proud that mm. I can walk up that hill. I still feel like, look at me, I can... <laughs> walk up this hill so it is no mountain um but it's it's steep and yeah it's the moral victories right oh absolutely good for you so but let me ask you this um what advice do you have for anyone now who someone just diagnosed with cancer they got the they got the diagnosis what should they do okay so first of all perspective you know it's it's a combination of the mental game and the physical game the perspective is the most important thing do not why me there are babies in the hospital. There are babies with cancer. They did nothing. So don't buy me it. That's useless. And then when you start to have a pity party, think about those babies in the hospital. And, and, and then imagine it being your baby. You know, if anyone in my family were to have cancer, how fortunate it was me. So, you know, perspective, it just goes a long way. Always compare yourself. And then, you know, hopefully you can find a little solace in that. And then, uh, pursue your passions. Do not stay home. Do not. I mean, if you're sick and feeling like crap, fine, but get out, go to a movie, go to a party, just be social, include life in your life because that's what you're fighting for, right? It's don't, don't give up your life while you're fighting for your life. And uh, I certainly didn't shy away from someone might have a cold. Okay. Big deal. Big deal. Yeah. I found that fascinating. You were on a plane every weekend, just about in, in closed and you were, the mask uh, suffocated you in a sense. Yeah. I worked for like three seconds and then yeah. that. No, thank you. I'm not a mask girl from start to finish. So um, yeah, I mean, it, if you want to live, you got to live. And, and so do that. I say your passions will lift you up and make you better, but then you have to do what you can control what you can, when you can. You can weaponize exercise. You can weaponize nutrition to help increase your chances of remission, decrease your chances of recurrence. There are endless studies proving this. So um, that's why I wrote these books specifically because most doctors will tell their patients, you should exercise, keep eating healthy. And they never tell them how. And what a crazy obstacle to be up against is cancer care. So uh, I, when I was going through it, I actually looked on Amazon. There are no books for cancer patients to exercise and so forth. So um, do what you can, when you can. I, uh, I, if I'd be thrilled if you can go run a race or whatever, great. But if you're like me and you're, you're diminished significantly by your treatment, exercise in your chair, you know, just right now I'm waving my arms around. I'm doing more than you are, Frank. So you can do a lot. You can accomplish a lot in a chair. Um, this in the middle of your healthy cancer comeback, there's an entire section photo tutorial on 
how to exercise standing in the chair. Here's a ton of exercises you can do in bed. Yeah, so in bed. Yeah, stretches in the shower. And then of course, you know, food. There's food that helps and there's foods that hurt. Know that your stomach and your taste buds might be altered by this experience. So again, just, just do the best you can. Know that there are so many people when they get a cold, Frank, what, when people get a cold, what do they get? What do they try to help them their situation out with nutritionally? Oh, just a little vitamin C, maybe some water. That was uh, it, uh, Vit uh, vitamin C. Vitamin and people C. swear by it, right? Mm -hmm. I'll take a vitamin C tab or I'll eat some oranges. Okay, well now forget a cold, you're up against cancer. Mm. And then people are going to be poking through. I had a needle poke through my chest most days of the week for a year and a half. Mm. Every single time someone penetrates you with a needle, you are at risk for infection. So you really can sturdy up your body. And, and again, whether you're beating cancer or not with your nutrition, you can certainly fight off infection and do yourself justice. Water goes a long way too. So, mm. so that's the thing is pair the mental game with the physical game and, and you can buoy, buoy yourself and make yourself more likely to have success with your treatment plan. Well, that is fantastic. I'm I'm so glad I had you on the show. Um, you're a delight to talk to. I'm so happy you you're feeling well. You look great. Um, now what a what a thrill. So it's been great to talk to you. I so appreciate it. Anything you want to close up with? Um, I, well, a thank you. You are a true delight. This has been a lot of fun. But I'm I'm compelled and obsessed with helping everybody. So if anybody needs any fitness guidance fitsness.com mm -hmm. is jam-packed with tons of free information recipes the exact formula for weight loss is there that's a gimmick free game plan for achieving your goal weight just learning how to eat the right amount of the right food for the size you want to be no diets no pills no powders you don't have to give me money you just learn it and then you pursue it tons of free videos and you know i just would like to be a great resource for folks so at fitsness.com i'm also at fitsness on instagram and facebook and YouTube. And uh, I, I'd love to connect with your followers. If you follow, great. But really what I prefer is for folks to um, comment and say, hey, I heard you on Frank's podcast. And then oh, we'd be besties. That would be, that nice. would be great. Well, thank you so much. You've been uh, Fitz Kohler. Uh, My Noisy Cancer Comeback is her book. Uh, just a fantastic read. And while it might sound difficult, what she went through, and I'm sure it was, it's a great, it's a, it's, it is an uplifting story with a thank great you. ending. So uh, thank you again for being on my show. If you or someone you know has cancer, then Fitz Kohler's My Noisy Cancer Comeback. It's a must read to gain some understanding of what goes through the mind of a cancer patient and how best to battle the illness and the treatment. Now, if you don't know a cancer patient, this book is a must read as a life lesson in perspective. This book was my reminder that the minor traffic delays on my commute home were no big deal at all. As Fitz says, at least I don't have cancer. That has thankfully become my new motto. Now, as a side note, uh, I talked to Fitz before the interview. I talked to her briefly after the interview. Um, and let me tell you, she's every bit as warm, kind, energetic, um, really a, has a good sense of herself, such a kind, giving person. Um, that's how she comes across in the book. And interviewing Fitz was really among the highlights of, of my career. So. I encourage you to order this book, My Noisy Cancer Comeback from Fitz Kohler.
In the podcast, Fitz talked about needing to be in great physical condition at all times. Quote, you never know when illness or accident will strike you down. You can weaponize fitness and nutrition to help you through your ordeal. This increases your chance of remission and decreases your chance of recurrence, end quote. My Walking for Health and Fitness Complete Walking Program gets you walking your way to great shape. You'll learn your why for exercising, how to set a fitness goal, how to develop the fitness habit, and how to hold yourself accountable to exercise. But don't get caught unprepared when illness or accident strikes. Click the link in the show notes and learn why walking is the easiest way to get in shape and stay in shape. And in the walking inside of the week, this is from my walking logbook journal. Um, improve your mind-body connection. Walking releases four vital neurotransmitters that impact your motivation, productivity, creativity, and well-being. So why is this so important? Neurotransmitters transmit electrical signals within the nervous system. Each of these neurotransmitters play a specific role in your emotional state. Now endorphins, they are natural pain and stress fighters. Dopamine motivates you to take action. Serotonin controls your mood and is responsible for happiness. It helps regulate when you sleep and wake, helps you think, maintains your mood, and controls your sexual desire. Oxytocin, that's the glue that binds together healthy relationships. Oxytocin release creates intimacy, trust, and strengthens relationships. Often referred to as the cuddle hormone, a simple way to keep oxytocin flowing is to hug someone. Now, one of the most exciting findings of the past few decades is that an increase in oxygen is always accompanied by an uptick in mental sharpness. Exercise acts directly on the molecular machinery of the brain itself. It increases neurons creation, survival, and resistance to damage and stress. Now, you can download the first three walking insights and the logbook pages to try out my walking logbook journal. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Now, let me close this episode by telling you that walking is an excellent fitness activity to help you prevent or minimize the effects of cancer and its treatment. So go to walkingforhealthandfitness.com and check out all the free resources and my walking books and programs that I have available to get you out the door and adding more walking to your life. And lastly, I want to once again thank Fitz Kohler for being a guest on my show. Her book, My Noisy Cancer Comeback, I highly, highly recommend it. Her website, fitness.com. Check that out. This is Frank Ring from Walking for Health and Fitness. Thank you for listening and walk on. And please give the Walking for Health and Fitness podcast a review. The most helpful place for you to do that is on Apple Podcasts, which you can do even if you aren't using an iPhone. Just log into your iTunes account and leave the show a review. Now, this really helps more people find the show so that they can learn about the benefits of walking and so much more. If you'd like to share the show, you can take a screenshot of this episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do, make sure you tag me at Walking for Health and Fitness so I can see you're listening. Sharing your stories is going to help more people find this podcast. Also, share on all your social media. I'll leave my social media links in the episode notes. This is Frank Ring from Walking for Health and Fitness. Thanks again and walk on.